0: Glory be to thee, O equal trinity, unique divinity, from before all ages, so now and evermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dearly beloved brethren, O death of the riches, of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God! How uncomprehensible are his judgments, and how unsearchable his ways! From him and through him, and unto him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen." Thus proclaims the Church through the pen of St. Paul in the epistle that we read on this Holy Feast of the Blessed Trinity. Such was the love of God, that he wanted to make himself known by angels and men to the depths of his intimacy, beyond the bounds of comprehension of any creature. How great is this mystery that surrounds this one and only creator who reveals himself to be neither alone nor lonely with himself in his his majesty. How great can this divinity be when in one free subsist and interact together in an eternal and quiet communion out of which we were our creator. I would like to invite you to contemplate not the depths of this mystery, on which there is more to admire than to say, but on the duties that justice requires us to fulfil towards this blessed Trinity that has revealed itself to us. For if the Church teaches that it is a duty for every Catholic to come together in prayer, here today as in every week, there should be a reason behind it. Firstly, we have our duty of praise and thanks. As a sort of a society, all creation has an order that has its principle to which everything else is harmoniously dependent. As a soldier depends on his general, as bees depend on their queen, as a team depends on its captain for their particular goals, so all that exists, all that was created, depends on God its Creator, and it's required to show their submission to Our Divine Majesty, that is what we call adoration, and to give thanks in return for all the benefits that God gave or will give us from our creation all the way to our final allowance by His mercy into the heavenly kingdom. This we call Thanksgiving. Secondly, we have a duty to request forgiveness for our sins and faults, for our faults, for our disobedience, for every time that we've missed doing this adoration and thanksgiving that God deserves, by which we have offended this God of love by preferring his creatures and our own pleasure to his divine goodness. This we call contrition. Thirdly, all all need to request what we need to attain our final goal. The call that he set down to every man, which is a beatific vision of himself in heaven, face to face, and that we call supplication. Hence all the duties which, of certainly learned catechism, that we need, we are called to fulfil every week: adoration, thanksgiving, contrition, and supplication. In short, we need to give honour to God and to receive from Him help. And forgiveness. But which one of us, petty little creatures, poor children of Eve, and unworthy sinners, will be able to approach warvilly His de- Divine Majesty in order to perform this adoration and thanksgiving? Which one of us would have claims to request forgiveness for the sins of we, of which we are ourselves guilty, and ask graces that we don't deserve? for this heavenly bliss that we've once refused for our sinful past. Is there any man worthy of doing this himself or even to do it for others? The answer that the church gives us is that there is one single man who can approach God in our confidence and intercede him in all of these matters as a mediator towards his brothers. It is our Lord Jesus Christ. His entire life was an act of expiation for our faults, an act of submission to the Father, from his birth on the manger all the way to his death on the cross. His work of reconciliation be- between God and man was, a perfect, was at once a perfect act of adoration, a perfect thanksgiving for all that man has received Having received all, he gave all away to to the Father, a perfect redemption for our sins, and a gauge by which we can pledge the graces that we need for our final happy ending in God's embrace. There is therefore no better way to fulfill these duties towards the Trinity other than through Christ and his cross, which is what we offer in an unbody way in the altar in front of you during Mass. In order then to perpetuate the fruits of this one sacrifice of the cross, Christ calls some men to follow him in a closer way, to lay down their lives as he himself had laid his, so that he could offer again and again his body and blood for the salvation of his fellow brethren and to cover them with his heavenly blessings through his delegates, his priests. For every high priest, Taken from, uh, from among men, says St. Paul, is ordained for men in the, de- in the things that appertain to God, so that he may offer up gifts and sacrifices for sins, that he may have compassion on them that are ignorant and that err, because he himself is also surrounded with infirmity. And therefore he ought for the people, as well as for himself, uh, offer sacrifices for sins. End of quote. In the same way then, that will there be no disease, there will be no doctors, will there be no crime, there will be no police, no judges or advocates, will there be no arson, there will be no firemen, were there to be no sin, there will be no priesthood, at least in the form that we have it, as an office of expiation for sins and forgiveness, as well as of praise. And as all of us are poor, sinful men, we need priests to support us from the beginning to the end of our earthly journey. And we must ask God for them earnestly, as he encouraged us to do. The harvest indeed is great, said he, in the the Gospel of St. Luke, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he send laborers into his harvest. We need to pray for priests. We need to pray to be granted more priests. A few months ago, I was given by God's grace this ministry to be able to glorify God by His Son and to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people as well as for my own in Christ's stead. I thank you for all the prayers that you've done for priestly vocations, which has allowed God's grace to flow into some new young men who accepted this life of sacrifice in union with our Blessed Lord. And then at the end of Mass, I will be more than glad to give you my first priestly blessing on the Communion Rail, but I pray all of you to keep praying for me and especially for the seminarians who are getting ready to be endowed with this burden in order to persevere in this vocation that we've received with no merit of our own. As we won't ever be able to qualify ourselves to carry this burden, we will never be able to persevere in it without God's grace. And to have this grace, we need, we ask the praise for all of you. You have had the grace, for instance, to have seminarians at your service in this church throughout this year, as as well as in the preceding ones. Please do pray for them and for their colleagues, so that they may be able soon to be at your service as priests of the Most High, according to the order of Melchizedek. And bring up your prayers to the the altar of the Blessed Trinity, and bring down from it God's forgiveness, God's grace, and God's hope to you and to all men sent on their way. And for that, I earnestly encourage you to pray every time. All Lord, grant us priests. All Lord, grant us holy priests. All Lord, grant us many holy priests and religious vocations. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.